This is the Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are joining us today. Hope that you find connection and comfort and relatability and hopefully some useful information that you can use in your everyday life on this podcast. I want to give you all a sensitivity warning. We do talk about some hard issues in this podcast episode. Um, Just for a little bit of time, somewhere near the beginning, we talk about the school shooting in Texas. And I just want to give you a heads up if you have kids in the car or with you while you're listening, if that's something you don't want them to hear about over and over again, just wanted to relay that information to you. It's not the bulk of the conversation, but we do talk about it for a little bit. And my guest today gives us some helpful ways to talk about really hard and sad things that happen in the world uh, with our kids. Today's guest is Julia Cook. You're listening to episode 87 and Julia is a nationally recognized, award-winning children's book author and parenting expert. She has presented in thousands of schools across the country and abroad. She regularly speaks at National Education and Counseling Conference, and she's published nearly 100 children's books. There is probably a book that Julia has authored that tackles a subject or issue you are hoping to work on with your children or one of your children. She's really good at giving the what to say and how to say it. And what I love about Julia is her biggest goal is to find a creative way to give kids tools to be lifelong problem solvers. Is that not what we all want? All right, friends, if you're looking for a great pair of sunglasses to wear to the pool or out for a run this summer or whatever you are doing, grab some Gooder sunglasses. They're my favorite. They have all sorts of styles and Really fun, flashy colors, also really simple styles that are my go-to. I love the aviators and the runway shades. Uh, And you all, for listening to this podcast, the listeners of this show, can save when you go to gooder.com slash another. Use the code Lindsay15, that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5, and that will save you 15% off your order. All right, friends, if you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. We actually give away a pair of Gooder sunglasses once a month to everybody who leaves a rating and review. Right now, this podcast is sitting at 113, and I know there's a whole lot more of you out there than that listening. So if you could just take two minutes of your time to leave a quick rating and review on iTunes, you'll be entered to win a pair of Gooder sunglasses. We pull those winners from both this podcast and my running podcast, which is called All Have Another, once every single month. Shoot me an email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com and let me know that you left a rating and review and you will be entered to win. All right, friends, please enjoy my conversation with Julia Cook. All right, friends. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have a special guest, Julia Cook. Welcome to the show, Julia. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm awesome. Yep. Start of summer, beautiful weather. I don't know. Spring's always that 
recharge year for type of, you know, for me. It makes me feel really good. So yeah. what does summer look like for you? Because you, you tour a lot doing a lot of speaking engagements. So do you in the summer? You know, people have asked, you know, will you come do the school reading, whatever. And, and I, basically I say, I don't do kids in the summer. Yeah. I mean, they're tired good. of me I'm, I, because I think I've done, you know, I, uh, over about 2000 school visits. And so in the summer I do conferences and I do adult talks and keynote talks and things like that. But I don't talk to kids in the summer. They don't want to hear from me. They're tired. <laughs> they need a break. They just want to play outside. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's what we want them to do. So, yeah. That's good. It's good to know your boundaries. It's good to know when you need a break. And then, I, you know, I come up to, I have a lake house and come up there and I can really create and just kind of recharge. And it's kind of hard to do that on the road when you're really tired. So it's a good time to write in the summer for me. So. Okay, Julia. So you were a high school counselor and now middle school counselor. High school, middle I, school counselor. But actually, I was middle school math teacher. And then I got my degree in counseling to become a better teacher, not to be a counselor, but huh. just because if you have counseling tools and you're a teacher, you know, you can reach kids. And I, I worked with the hard, tough kids. And um, so I became a school counselor by accident, kind of, because our town needed an elementary one and I had a degree. So four wow. years into that, my kids were battling tattled. They were tattling on everybody. And, you know, as parents, we have this much to teach our kids and we have this much time to do it in. If we can find a really cool book, we can take a few minutes and read it to them. And the good stuff in the book sinks into their heads. And, you know, our kids would come in, well, kids would come in my office and want me to wave my wand and solve their problems for them. If you solve your kids' problems for them, they might end up living in your basement when they're 30 years old. Yep. I mean, a goal is to teach our kids all these problem-solving school, you know, issues. They get the skills so that they, you know, you are the Home Depot for problem-solving skills as a parent. And you show your kids what to buy and how to use it, but you don't build the house for them. Because when they leave you, they've got to have those skills equipped to survive in the world where people don't love them as much as you do. And so I looked for a book on tattling, couldn't find one. So I wrote a story about a little kid who tattled so much he grew a tail. I love it. What came out of that were some rules. And it got published and the publisher said, do you have any others? You know, because a teacher just said you should try doing something with this. So I called, a, I opened a book and turned it to the publishing page and called the number and they said, oh, send it in. We're looking for one. This was in 2004, 2005. And they said, do you have more? I said, well, when I was little, I used to interrupt all the time. So I have this one on interrupting. They said, send that. So they both came out um, beginning of 2006. And now there are, um, let's see, nine languages. This is uh, Chinese. Wow. Um, and 137 stories and about 3 million sold. So it was just kind of by accident, but it's a blast. It's fun. Yeah. So you're an author and you travel the country speaking and telling these stories, really, right? Like all of right. your books are stories. They're metaphors that people can put into practice in their own lives. Right. So, you know, if a kid has an issue and the kid in the book has the same issue and you do what the kid in the book does, then you solve it. And the magic is the books are research based. So if the parent does something in the book, research 
tells you know the tells the the reader the parent because our kids they don't come with instructions and it seems like they're kind of getting weirder every day and our <laughs> job is to help them understand things that we might not have all the answers you're not supposed to have all the answers and so you know if you can read what the parent in the book does and you model that behavior that's a safe zone for parents because they know the what to say and how to say it yeah. in the most effective way so there's much parenting books as they are kid books I love that so much. And then in the back, usually there's not the first ones because I didn't know what I was doing. At the yeah, of course. Then there's tips for parents and educators on how to talk to kids about tough stuff. And so those are helpful as well. Um, you mentioned the interrupting one, that one of your first books. And I just had a conversation on this podcast about the interrupting because I have a kid that every time I talk to an adult, he's at my side needing 10 things interrupting the second we start talking. What what are your big tips in that book? Um, well, you know, the thing is, you can say, don't interrupt, don't interrupt, don't interrupt. But you say, you know, you read them the book, My Mouth is a Volcano, and they love volcanoes. And you say, oh, my gosh, you're being a volcano. Now, kids need to have kind of a interrupting zone because there's some things that happen that we want them to interrupt. So we always talk about little deal, middle deal, mm. and big deal. Mm. And then we kind of discuss with kids, if it's ever a big deal, then you have to have a signal, you know, which is this, this is a big deal. You know, that was this means, come on, mom, I really need you. Um, you know, I tell parents, gosh, you know, um, this is a study I read that um, two minutes with you and your child without your device is worth 45 minutes with you on your device. Wow. Okay, value-wise. So unless you're doing CPR instructions to the person who's on the other end of this trying to save somebody's life, usually nothing on your screen is more important than your kid. Yep. So put your phone down and be present. But there are times, you know, like this Skype call, all these people are listening or it would be kind of hard to, you know, be interrupted at this time. And so you tell your kids, this is a time I can't be interrupted unless you have a big deal. You know, the, the, the cat got run over or the house is on fire. That's a big deal. Now, the problem with that is that sometimes kids think everything's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you know, you have to practice talking about, the big deal, the middle deal, and the little deal. Yeah. Oh. Um, okay, so one of the things we're going to talk about is talking to our kids about tragedy, when tragedy oh. happens. Yeah. Um, I was actually in Boston when the shooting took place, this in Texas, Texas shooting. Um, yeah. So, you know, after Sandy Hook, I had an email saying, please write grief books to these. And, and uh, when that happens, you know, when something that horrific happens – you just feel empty inside. Everyone does. And, you know, the biggest issue is how do you talk to your, number one, you're a mess because you want to make sure that your, you know, kids don't hear it or, or don't hear too much or don't hear the wrong thing. Do you send your kid to school? I mean, there's just all these questions. And so we, we have a certain way of talking to kids about tragedy. So your child is trying to make sense out of their world. And they have, they have like missing pieces in the puzzle, okay? Now, um, you want to make sure that when you give them instructions or answers that they're the right piece. Because if you tell them what you want them to hear and that doesn't become truthful in the end, then you put the wrong piece in and you'll fracture the relationship. 
uh, every human relationship has to have two things, trust and communication. So as long, you know, you're not going to like your kids and they're not going to like you. I mean, you'll always love them, but there's times when you don't, there's times I don't even like my kids, you know, and, and then there's times where they don't like me at all. But as long as they know they can trust me and they can talk to me and I can trust them and talk to them, then I know that I'm helping them solve the problem. Problem is, if you tell them what you want them to hear, is there going to be a shooter at my school today? You say, oh, no, honey, that would never happen. So you tell them what you want them to hear, and then something like that does happen. You fractured that relationship because if you don't have trust and communication, you always want to give your kids the most truthful information. The hard part about that is we often tend to give them too much information. So the best way to handle something like that is you always need this answer because the kid might come up with an answer like or a question like that. Mom, is there going to be a um, is there going to be a disaster? Is there going to be a shooting at my school? You can't honestly say no, but you have to say the truth. You say, well, you know, so you say, I, I'm sorry, I just don't have any words for that answer, but I'm going to figure out how to answer your question and then I will get back to you. And then you go and research later how to answer that question because if you just blurt out what you want them to hear, it might not be the best thing. Actually, the answer to that would be, honey, nobody knows the answer to that problem, but you need to know that everybody in our area is doing everything they can to make sure everyone's safe and together, you know, we're really strong. And that's the best rehearsed answer for that. Uh, when that happens, my, I have a little six-year-old granddaughter. So my daughter-in-law calls and she goes, what do we do? Do we, you know, how do we talk about this? And I said, well, what you do is you sit her down on Tuesday night and you say something really sad happened in our world today. You don't say something bad happened in our world because they're, they want, you know, bad is different than sad. Um, they can, I, bad is something I got to, oh, I, I'm afraid of. Sad is something, oh, I can feel. And then you don't say in our country, you say in our world to make it a little bit bigger. Something really sad happened yesterday in our world. And if you ever, you know, you might hear about it at school. And if you do and you have any questions, you need to know that you can always come to me and I'll be here and answer those questions for you. Um, and when, you know, it's just like if you're talking to kids about sex and you have a six-year-old and they say, where do babies come from? <laughs> You say, well, you know, two people love each other and they make a baby. But if they're 11, you need more information. So you say, well, baby, where do babies come from? Say, well, you know, tell me what you already know. And then we'll figure it out from there. And you let the child, so the child comes home and says, you know, so-and-so talked about this and all these kids died. And say, well, really, let's tell me what you know. Because if you let the child tell you what they know, then you can you know, shape the conversation into filling their needs, supply them with the security that they need to feel okay, be honest and be trustworthy, but you're not giving them details that, you know, because what they need to know, you know, that, you know, all, you know, I'm sorry about all these little kids, you know, the gunman came in and shot them all. Oh, that's bad. Can I have some purple bubble gum? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They don't, they, and, and totally do, you know, right. So let them tell you what they know on those difficult conversations. And then you fill in the details appropriately. And if they ask something you don't know the answer to, say, honey, I, I don't have any words for that. But let me tell you something. I'm going to figure out how to answer that, and then I'll get back to you. And, you know, I told teachers, I said, when those kids come back, you have three purposes. Number one, that you are calm. Number two, that, that your classroom is warm. 
And number three, that you stick to routine. Because routine, when disasters happen, routine is a child's best friend. Because disasters are not predictable. And this happens with bad storms. Um, this book has been used in floods, shootings, accidents. And it talks about the anthill disaster. And the anthill is destroyed. And then the worker ants, they get together and they build a new school. Because together they're strong. So it models how to talk to kids about things that we cannot control, both man-made and natural. And then there's tips in the back. And so, you know, you, you, when, you know, those kids come back, I say, okay, you know, you can say to your kids, you know, something really sad happened yesterday at school, but you just have to know that, you know, you're safe in my room. We're going to do everything we can together to make everybody okay. And if you have questions about it, you can come ask me those questions. Because some kid's going to blurt out something because they've totally. been watching CNN yeah. all night. And this other kid's not going to know anything about it. And if you as a teacher start telling kids about it, that might not be your right. I mean, that that might not be, if I'm a parent, I might not, not want my teacher's impression of what happened to go into my kid's head. So if a kid starts talking about it, then the teacher is to say, you know, it sounds like you have a lot to talk about. You can either talk to me by yourself or we can take you to the counselor or the principal. And then you let them tell, you know, talk to the child. And then, you know, if, if ever your children are feeling bad or sad because they can't, they want to feel like they have something to make a difference in control because kids are good. And one of the most, the coolest things, um, I remember talking with Michelle Gay, who lost her daughter in this tragedy, and she said, one of the things that made me feel better was I got a lot of notes from little kids telling me that they were sorry about my Joey. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if a child can make a note or a card for another family that's lost a child, they feel like they're doing something to help, and kids want to help. And that, you know, and that, that can be you know, a funeral or anything like that. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. You know, my instinct, my nine-year-old for some reason likes to watch the news in the morning, which I don't know. I don't really care so much, but my instinct the next day, sometimes we just have it on the background was to say, we're not turning the news on this morning. And like, I knew I needed to tell him something. And then, you know, we did talk about it briefly. And as soon as his kids, friends came over after school, they're like, did you hear what happened? So like you said, like kids are going to be talking. Like if you don't first communicate it to your child, like they're going to hear it from somebody else. And if you don't know what to say, you ask them what they know. Yeah. Because then that, that leads the framework to the, you know, to the story. But you don't have to have all the answers. So. And I like what you say about like just letting them know like we are going to do everything we can to keep you safe. No, but yeah, but together we're strong, you know, yeah. we're, everybody's doing everything they can to make sure that doesn't happen here. So, and together we're strong. You know, I, it's interesting. I'm sure different kids handle hard information different ways. Um, I'm going to give an example and then perhaps we can talk about this topic. There's a little girl at my son's old school who's battling leukemia and I shared with him the information and he kind of got real cold real fast and was like, well, it's not me. I shouldn't be worried. Like immediately like brought it on, like projected it onto himself rather than projecting empathy towards this little girl. Um, and I, I don't know if it was like a shield he was putting up, but I'm curious if we could dive into that kind of conversation a little bit. You know, all of us have a potential for empathy, but you cannot teach empathy. You have to get kids to feel empathy. And when it's another person, they're his equal. But one of the best ways to teach kids empathy is through an animal. 
because you know what if this you know you take them to a shelter and you know you you hear a sad story about a dog who wasn't treated correctly how would you feel if you were that dog because when it's an animal it's easier to let yourself into that situation than if it's another person you know and then and that's you know oh i would feel so bad or you know and giving kids a chance to make a difference to help somebody who doesn't have that control that taps into the empathy and um you know i think more than anything with the cancer the child doesn't really need to feel empathy about that they need to understand the disease and then the empathy will come naturally hmm. okay so i mean there's a i have a book called the canning cancer and it's about leukemia it's about that okay and, and it talks about you know how we treat the child the same when they come back even if they look different because on the inside they're saying you know um and you know there is a canning cancer and it, and it talks about you know, think about better stuff. So, you know, what can we do to help Lucy uh, think about better stuff, you know, where he's helping, but you, you know, you don't, it's too hard with a person to a person when you're teaching empathy. So, you know, even a flower in the garden, oh my gosh, there's not enough water. And what do you think that flower feels like? It was sad and it's thirsty. Well, how can we make a difference? Well, let's give it some water. Oh, wow, look, it's so strong now. You did that. You made that flower feel better. Um, you know, or if you're going to use people, you know, work with elderly people or work with babies. Mm-hmm. You know, a baby comes in and he falls down and cries. What do you do? Well, if you fell down and cried, what, what do you think that baby feels like? But to do it to a peer, that's just too close and too much. And so kids just... That's so interesting. I never thought about it like that. I just like, I never thought that that would be a barrier, the peer-to-peer thing. Tell us about your therapy dogs. If you guys are watching on YouTube, we're seeing one of Julia's therapy dogs in the video. And she's also uh, she also showed us an illustration of the puzzles earlier too. Look at these dogs. They're so cute. Oh my gosh. You guys have to look at the video. So these dogs um, actually teach kids not to go up to people with dogs because often perps will use dogs to lure children into their personal space. Oh, okay. So I use them with the Smarter Than the Scoopers book, which teaches kids not to be scared of getting kidnapped, but to be smarter than the scooper. So there's no scary in it. It's about empowerment. And, you know, if I can teach a child not to go up to Tommy here, I can teach him not to go up to any dog. Mm. And then they're also pretty, you know, pretty trained uh, comfort dogs for kids. But uh, but if you wanted to, um, you know, if you wanted to teach empathy or something, you know, well, what if Tommy was really hungry? Can Tommy go and make himself a peanut butter sandwich? No. You know, and so you can really use the dogs to teach empathy in a way that is, oh, in a way that is that is you know helpful so stay in there anyway <laughs> and you have four therapy dogs right yeah we have jake and angus and tommy and kirby jake and angus are now 15 and 14 wow. and they were oh gosh i think they've been in over you know 1200 schools and i never knew the effect until i started getting letters like oh my gosh Thank you for using Jake. My child didn't go up to the ding ding man who said you can have free ice cream and, you know, just things like that. 
Well, I mean, it's a good lesson too outside of kidnapping. I mean, my dog's 15 and she's never bit a kid or anything, but like she's grumpy. Like she's going to mm-hmm. snap at you if you if a kid comes up to her and like gets in her face. Like she needs her right. space. So it's a good lesson to learn. And you do see kids doing that all the time. Like, can I pet your dog? Kids do that right. all the time. Well, and the thing is too, like they'll always say, oh, can I, can I hold your dog? Can I hold your dog? And so I bring one little kid up and I say, okay, you're Tommy. And today you're at school and the first kid comes and pets you and I mess up their hair and I play with their ears and I rub their tummy or rub their back. I pick them up and I, you know, and I say, that was one kid and you're a hot mess. You know, how would you feel if 500 people did that? Yeah. So it teaches them that empathy lesson too. Empathy is we sneak teach empathy and we don't try to teach it. What we do is we have, we tip, we tip into kids's inner soul and have them experience it. That's how they learn empathy. You don't teach empathy. You put them in situations where they can learn it because it's inside. You just tap into it. Hey everybody, a quick break here. Finding a doctor and booking a doctor who's right for you doesn't need to be a terrible experience. Will they take your insurance, understand your needs, or be available when you can see them. With ZocDoc, the answer can be refreshingly pain-free. Yes. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. You can go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit. And just like that, you're booked. Go to ZocDoc.com slash yelling and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash yelling. ZocDoc.com slash yelling. And now back to my conversation Two of the other things I want to hit on today are talking to our kids about hope and talking to our kids about purpose. So let's start with hope because when you have hope, everything feels a little bit better, right? Right. Um, I have a book called The Flicker of Hope and it is about a little candle and um, because it's basically suicide prevention is what mm. it is, but it doesn't have the S word in it. Okay. Um you know, our kids, let me hit a little bit, you know, we, we have 24 hours in a day and like eight to 10 of those should be sleeping and then school and then everything else. And the problem is if we spend too much time on our devices, our sleep gets cut, you know, because we're trying to make, we only have 24 hours a day. If you take away a person's sleep, uh, first thing they notice is they start to get irritable. And the second thing you notice is they start to get anxious. And the third thing is increased depression happens. And so we have kids who are sleep deprived because they're gaming at night and they're on their devices at night. And, you know, they they lose sense of, um, you know, they're anxious and depressed because of chemical changes in their brain because of sleep. Okay. And then when they play a video game, this is the size of their foot, you know, and to win the video game, they have to take three steps. Well, that's really easy. But in real life, this is the size of their foot. So one step is five steps. So, you know, it's five times harder to hit a grand slam home run on in softball and baseball than it is to play on a video game. So when they try, they only have to push a button once to win. 
But in real life, they push the button once and they don't win and they try it again and they don't win and they say, oh, it's too hard. Mm. I can't do it. So you have to teach kids to persevere in real life a, like a lot harder than they do in real life because, you know, pretty soon they're like, oh, I tried. I tried as hard as I always try. I can't do it. I don't I'm not any good at it. I don't have any hope. And so you combine this with increased depression and anxiety and you have kids that, you know, like a little tiny flame on a candle that's this big. Now, if you the book takes a little tiny candle that's this big and he says, I just feel so bad. And there's all these dark clouds hovering over him. And another candle said, if your flame was brighter, those clouds would would lighten up and you could push them away. And she said, you can see them too. Oh no, they're your clouds. Only you can see them, but I can tell your flame isn't very bright. And she lends her light. So when the two flames touch, the flame gets brighter. And when they separate, one is brighter for getting and one is brighter for giving. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it talks about, you know, sometimes when, you know, when our flames are so small and we just feel like today stinks and tomorrow's worse, if we can get out of our own sadness and go and lend some light to other people, we actually grow. So, you know, when a person is out of hope, that's that's what they feel like, you know, today stinks, tomorrow's going to be worse. I don't have the power to change it. But when a light goes out, and that's what the book says, when a person's light goes out before it's time, you know, the the hearts are broken forever and they never shared their gifts, you know, and, and he's like, what gifts? He says, well, your unique light is your priceless gift. No one can, you know, light up the world the way you can. So it's a metaphor for suicide prevention without saying suicide. But basically this whole problem is that kids have such an inflated sense of I'm cool that real life is too hard. And if they do succeed in real life, the amount of dopamine that goes into their brain is five times more. So as long as they can balance off-screen highs and on-screen highs, they're okay. But they have to realize that it, you know, video games mess up your sense of try. Um, uh, social media messes up your sense of try. I can get online in Instagram and put something on there. And in 45 minutes, 45,000 people have commented. How long would it take me to talk to 45,000 people? So, and it can go good and it can go bad, you know, because if, if they say something bad about you, 45,000 people know about it versus maybe two or three. And so that's the thing our kids are growing up with right now. And the whole point is, you know, we have to teach our kids that strong sense of inner self, because things are going to be flying at them. And if they have a hole inside and their strength depends on other people's, you know, um, depend, opinion of them, then they're going to really battle when they get deemed. Because, but if they have a strong sense of self, and then when they get married to somebody else, they have another strong sense <laughs> of self. Together, you make three. But if you're one of these half circle people and the only time you're comfortable is when you're with another half circle, that's great as long as everybody does their part. But if one crumbles, then the whole thing's a mess. So, wow, this is like unprecedented times, too. I mean, I I kind of I always say this. I think that parents with kids like my kids age, my oldest is nine, my youngest is three. I think we're at a really strong advantage because we know right? Like the parents that were raising kids at the very beginning of the social media boom. Like well, they didn't know either because you, I mean, you're younger than I am. So 
you know, I mean, I used to say to my kids, play those video games till your thumbs fall off. And they got sick of them because, you know, I don't think it changed their brain as much. You know, you couldn't do that to a kid now. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't say that to a kid now. But I always say to parents, don't ever put it as a commodity. If you clean your room, mm. you can play your video game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell them if you clean your room, you can have an hour of free time and you have a list of all the all things, the things you, can you can do, do. for free but you never give that as an incentive. Yeah, know? I like that. That's really good. Um, I just love that like we have more information now, I guess, than we did 10 years ago, you know, especially with like Instagram and things like that. It's like, you know, when it first came out, we didn't know the dangers of of all those things you just started talking about, about that feedback. I have feedback. a book called The Technology Tale and everything you put online goes on your tail. Mm. So if you put something nice online, it's a gift. If you put something mean online, it's a rip. You put something dumb online like your like your address, it's a hole. But you're going to haul that tail around. And I tell kids, you know, you go to apply to a college, first thing they do is they check mm. your social media. And we have really great systems now that can really dig deep into your social media profile. And so if your grandma wouldn't approve of it being online, yeah. you, you don't send it. Then if it comes to you and it's bad, you delete it, then it never goes on your tail. But you're going to be pulling that tail around, you know, for a long time. How do you come up with all these ideas? I mean, you have so many books. Oh, you got to, you got to, you know, think like you're 50, but you got to write like you're eight. You know what I mean? I mean, you have to be the kid. You can't say things kids wouldn't say. So they have to be authentic to the kid. They have to be somewhat entertaining. Um, and the kid has to relate to the people in the book. But it, you don't want it to be boring because and, – and okay, so the thing I wanted to tell you most is that, you know, I was always like, oh, you need to build your child's self-esteem. You need to tell them how awesome they are and blah, blah, blah. That's from the outside of me to the inside of your heart. But if you're my kid – I'm going to say, oh, my gosh, you aced your spelling test. I know I'm happy about it. I can only imagine mm. how proud of yourself you are. I bet you're doing a happy dance the size of New York City. What does it look like? Does it look like this? <laughs> and you remind your child to celebrate from the inside out. And when you do that, the kid's like, oh, yeah, I did that, you know, because video games give them such a dopamine rush that you have to compete with that. And they have to actually remind themselves to celebrate. Because it doesn't happen naturally. And when we tell them things, it's a long way from your mouth to my heart. But if I tell myself something, you know, look in the mirror and think of three things that make you happy on the inside that you did today. You know, boy, I bet you're happy, you know. Oh, my gosh, your hair looks so nice. I bet you're so, I bet you're just doing backflips about how cool your hair looks. That's so cool. Yeah, because we are proud of our kids, but like teaching them to be proud of themselves for, you know, right. you do the happiness. You're, you're like- build, if, if you give them the compliment, then you're building this. Yeah. Okay. But if you teach them to give themselves the compliment, you're building this. Okay. I have a follow-up question to that. What if you have a child? Here's an example. My son's decent at soccer. He's pretty good. Um, but so then when he like goes plays at school soccer, like he's probably one of the best kids because he plays in, you know, his league. And so how do you teach your kid, I'm sure you have a book on this, to be proud of yourself and be proud of your hard work and your accomplishments, but be humble about it? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's really easy to, you know, say, well, you know, soccer, well, there's, it's, um, teamwork isn't my thing and I don't like to share. That talks about soccer and you couldn't be all positions at once, you know. And we ran into this with my son with baseball because he played club baseball and then he'd come in his town 
and you know he could you know they were behind four to three bases loaded and they put him in and he threw nine strikes you know and i mean he could do that you know but you know it, it's kind of like having a lot of money yeah I mean, money's only great if you can spend it on people you love mm. so your talent in soccer only matters if you can use it to help other people so how can you use your your talent to help other people and it sure feels good you know you got to recognize that i can only imagine how amazing you must feel when people are like wow you're so good but you'll feel even better if you can use that skill to help other people get better because then they're going to say wow i wish i could be like you on the inside and on the outside so it's all about okay taking that talent i mean and that's that's a life lesson too because we have all these really talented kids but what good are they they might know everything what good are they if they don't go into the workplace to work with other people because i mean look at prince's he has like a whole library of music that no one's ever heard. How can we enjoy that and appreciate that? Because he was not here to share it with us. Mm. And and it's like you have so much talent. Uh, you know, I can only imagine how good you feel on the outside, on the inside, when you can, you know, go to school and, you know, but I know how you can feel even better if you use that talent to help other people get better. And, and and you when you kick a goal, say, oh, it's not that big a deal, then they're really going to want to be around you. And, you know, integrity is that thing that you do the right thing even when no one's watching mm-hmm. you. That's a friendship magnet. Now, integrity is not a license to police other kids. Hey, you're not doing this right or you're not doing that right or you need to, I'm going to tell on you. Because integrity, the I in integrity means me. No matter what happens, I'm going to do the right thing so that people see me as a safe person to hang out with. But if you have a kid with high integrity, they'll never worry about friends. It's it's so hard, though, when you teach that and then you still see your kid not doing it. <laughs> well, and, and when they don't do it, say, gosh, you know, I I see you doing that. And I I can only imagine how you must be kind of sad on the inside. Mm -hmm. Your outside act like that. I bet you're kind of sad on the inside because you're making other people feel bad because you're so great. How do we make other people feel good? That's going to make you better. Mm -hmm. When you go to play college ball, that's what they want. They want that player that's going to build the team not be the superstar because you don't play a team sport. You don't play an individual sport. If you were in karate or if you were in singles tennis, that's different. You know, it's all about you, but that soccer, you can't even score a a goal if somebody doesn't pass it to you because you can't run the whole court. So, you know, I can only imagine you must be really, are you hurting on the inside that you want to feel like that? Because you're here, you could totally be here if you'd use those skills to help other people. That's a great lesson. And I ask them, how, how, how should you do that? What should you do? How can you do different? You know, this is what I saw on the outside. So I can only imagine you must be sad on the inside or you wouldn't have been like that. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you feel. Why are you sad on the inside that you have to be like mean on the outside? So just like simple and honest. But you know what? I mean, I'm old. Well, I'm, I'm medium. I'm not old. But <laughs> medium, I'm a mom and a grandma. So it's real easy for me to look back and see this. But, you know, they don't come with instructions. And sometimes not saying anything is the best thing in the world. And then you can always relate it to show them a story, you know, show them a movie, sit down and watch a movie where somebody is a real jerk versus then they learn how to be a real good team player. There's a lot of movies out there like that. 
Hey everybody, I want to tell you real quick about Hello Skincare. They have an amazing lash therapy serum that I have been using that I cannot get enough of. I've never been one to do false eyelashes, extensions, anything like that. That is way too much work. And I actually always kind of rolled my eyes at these serums thinking, yeah, right, do they really work? But I started using Lash Therapy by Hello Skincare. And after like two weeks time, I noticed a huge difference in my lash length and the fullness. I just apply it nightly and it moisturizes and helps with damaged hairs and maximizes the appearance of lash volume with each growth cycle. So they say you'll see big results in 60 days, but I say you see it even sooner. I also use their C Juvenate and Time Machine serums. I use the C serum in the morning at the beginning of the day before I put any makeup on and I use the Time Machine at night at bedtime. Um, These are great products. And if I were gonna push you to one, I would start with the lash therapy because I just cannot believe the difference. So when you go to helloskincare.com, you can use the code LindsayH20 and that'll get you 20% off your first order with Hello Skincare. All right, friends, back to the show. So we'll, we have some into podcast questions. We'll close off here, but I, I've read that your personal goal is to find a creative way to give kids tools to be lifelong problem solvers. And I think that's what we all want, right? Because it's like at the end of the day, I don't know how long I'm going to be here for my kids, hopefully a very long time, but like, you know, you want them to not have to call you for everything. You want them when they're in college to be able to like troubleshoot if they get a flat tire or, you know, whatever it is. If, if we don't, if we don't teach our kids how to struggle, um, they'll drown in the real world. So, you, you know, if you Google mama polar bear saves cub, a polar bear lets the cub fall in the water and then surrounds it and then talks to it. Mm. And then the cub gets out and before it gets out of the water, it moves away. So the cub realizes it used its own pond and it didn't use the mom for help. And so, you know, we have to teach our kids to struggle in a safe environment because if they struggle without the tools that they need in the real world, they might not get out of the pond. Wow. Yeah. And we so want to just do things for them because well, it's yeah, but easier I mean, and fall faster. In the water, you want to grab your kid out. You know, you don't want to drown. You just want to jump in. But then if you grab them out and put them on the bank and then you take a nap and the kid falls in when they're sleeping, they don't have the skills to get out. Right. Oh, man. It's good stuff. Um, okay. So, friends, Julia's books. If you go to juliacookonline.com and then you press the buy books button, um, a drop down menu comes and there's a titles and topics and it has all the titles and what they cover. And so you can go down those topics and say, oh, my gosh, my kid's stealing or lying or they're depressed or, you know, they're they don't understand how when I give them feedback that it's a good thing or whatever. Then there's a book for that. So many books. And I noticed you have an Etsy shop too. So people can do the downloadable PDFs as well if they don't want to do the te- actual copy. Teachers pay teachers and Etsy. And um, those are activities that kids can use that are the, the, te- it's Julia, my Etsy shop is mine, but the Julia Cook um, Encore is the 
Teachers Pay Teachers store. So all of those are, I mean, people use the books and have all kinds of activities. What an honor on TPT. So if you Google Julia Cook, there's a whole bunch of activities on the books. But if you want my personal activities to go with the books, there's TPT Julia Cook Encore. Awesome. Um, Julia, what is something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, well, the ultimate goal is I was watching, it kind of is happening now, I guess. I was watching a news story in Texas about the shooting and it was a, it was a counselor that was giving parents advice and she said, and the newspaper or the news article said, uh, so-and-so used Julia Cook's book. Mm-hmm. Like I was a household name, <laughs> you That's know, so cool. it's like, wow, not, not a book on this by Julia Cook or anything. Use Julia Cook's book. Like everyone's supposed to know what Julia Cook books are. So it's not a fame thing. It's like, well, when I leave the world in this, you know, like the Berenstein Bears, you always knew you were going to learn something from the Berenstein Bear books. So my ultimate goal was if they, it's a Julia cookbook, oh, maybe she has a book on that or that was, you know, that's the ultimate goal to give kids those problem solving skills so that they can fix what's ahead. Mm. That was, that's, yeah. That's so. a cool moment. Um, we'll have to get that book. The ant, it's the ant hill, right? The ant hill, the ant hill disaster. The ant hill disaster. We'll link that one specifically. If you get them from Amazon, I can't autograph them. But anything you get from JuliaCookOnline.com, I can personalize and autograph. Mm. And there's a spot when you order to say, how do you want this signed? Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, What's the best, most recent book you've read? Ooh, I read so much content. Oh, Thrivers is a really good book by Michelle Borba. Oh, okay. It talks about how to teach our kids to thrive versus strive. And to create a thriver, there's seven things we can teach our children. And this book outlines the seven, you know, their perseverance and empathy and stuff. And and she defines them as teachable attributes. The only one I don't agree with is empathy. I don't think you can teach empathy. I think mm. you have to get kids to feel it. But you can teach them perseverance and you can, you know, you can teach them teamwork and you can teach them. And so um, Thrivers by Michelle Borba is a really good read to teach our kids how to have self-efficacy and to survive. Okay. So if someone wants to start, I know there's a, like it, it's topical, right? Like it depends on what they're looking for, but do you have a good book of yours you recommend that we start with? Well, if it, you know, I mean, the classic is my mouth is volcano. Everybody, you can get that anywhere. Um, but Barnes and Noble, um, it's pretty common. But it just kind of depends. I would I would seriously get on the website, yeah. juliecookonline.com, and just go through the titles and topics. Just look through the topics. And if there's a topic that, you know, you think, oh, well, maybe, you know. And then you just read the book with your kid. Read the book first or read the book with your child or say, hey, you know, you got a teenager who's got depression. Read Blue Loon. And then have them read it and say, hey, you know, let's talk about this book after you read it. So, um it just depends. Every kid's different. And so I, I had a mom come up to me once and said, why do you write books about things that kids do wrong? Mm. And she was pushing her kid and she had like a four-year-old like tattling, interrupting. My kids don't tattle and they don't interrupt. So I don't want them to be introduced to those skills. Oh, so I'm never going to buy your books. And I thought, man, I can't wait to see your kids when they're 13. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah. 
Oh my gosh. That's a whole nother topic for another day. People saying their kids don't do one thing or, you know, it's like every kid is so different and they change over the years. Oh yeah. And what works one day doesn't work the next day. And what works for one kid doesn't work the next day. They don't come with instructions. Kids do not come with instructions. Ugh. So that's the whole point, you know? Um, okay. Two more questions and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, Julia's going to read one of her books. And so I entered, I encourage parents, if you've listened to this, to then save it. And if you're riding in the car or doing something, you can let your kids listen to the book. Um, Julia, what is a trip or a place or adventure you've done with your family, your kids or your grandkids that you would recommend? Um, let's see. That's a tough one. If you can, you know, everybody thinks that cruises are such a cost. But when you go on a cruise, everything is included. The food is included. The entertainment is included. And if you get off on one of those islands where people live like the salt of the earth and don't have everything, that's huge. Because our kids are so privileged in some ways. And, and you know, anything you can do on a trip. I, I mean, because a cruise is cool because you wake up the next morning in a totally different place with a totally different people. So the kids don't, you know, think, and you think, oh my gosh, I could never go on a cruise. Well, cruises are really cheap right now because nobody wants to do it. And, you know, the transportation to Florida or California may be expensive, but, you know, if you can get your kids on a cruise and they wake up in a different country and they get to see not just the glitzy part of the country or the island that the poor people the people who don't have everything but use everything they have that's a lifelong experience so and you don't have to i mean anytime you can teach kids to do things for other people the habitat through humanity uh, so that they can realize you know there's a great big world out there and i'm just a small part of it what can i do to make it better that's your goal on a trip it's mm, good what's your last message to leave with our audience um, let's see. In order to teach a child, you must enter their view of the world. That's good. All right, Julia, what book did you pick? I'm pick um, I have ants in my pants. So this is Julia Cook reading, I have ants in my pants. My name is Lewis. And sometimes people say I have ants in my pants. I've checked. I don't see any. On Friday at school, we're sitting on the rug, listening to my teacher read us a story. I did just fine sitting at first, but then my toes started to wiggle. My knees did the twitch. I slid down on the rug because my feet just had to kick. Oops, I accidentally kicked Courtney's leg, but I didn't do it on purpose. Lewis, my teacher says, I think there must be ants in your pants. Please control your wiggles. I looked down at my pants. I couldn't see any ants. I wonder how they got in there. What if they're in my underwear? This can't be true. She can't be right. Ants in my pants. What if they bite? We went to line up for lunch, and I had to wait in line for about 59 hours. My toes started to wiggle. My knees did the twitch. I slid down on the wall because my feet just had to kick. Oops. I accidentally tripped Principal Good Kid, but I didn't do it on purpose. Lewis, I think there must be ants in your pants. Why don't you have lunch in my office today and we can talk about your personal space? I looked down at my pants. I couldn't see any ants. I wonder how they got in there. What if they're in my underwear? This can't be true. She can't be right. Ants in my pants. What if they bite? 
Lewis, aren't you going to eat your lunch today? Aren't you hungry? After school, my family went to a movie to celebrate my sister Sylvia's birthday. She picked the most boring movie on the planet. By the time I got to the theater, I was starving. I have a large popcorn and pretzels, some nachos, and a big box of candy and a large drink, I told my mom. Um, I think a small popcorn is fine. Didn't you eat your lunch today? I sat down in the theater, sat down on my seat. I picked up my popcorn and I started to eat. If I wiggled just right, I could make my seat squeak. Squeak, squeak, squeak. I started out watching the movie just fine, but then my toes started to wiggle. My knees did the twitch. I slid down in my seat because my feet just had to kick. Oops, I accidentally kicked the man that was sitting in front of me. I knocked his teeth out. Excuse me, son. I think there must be ants in your pants. I'm sorry, sir. Then my mom whispered, Lewis, please put your feet on the floor. Sit up straight. Eat your popcorn and watch the movie. I looked down at my pants. I couldn't see any ants. I wonder how they got in there. What if they're in my underwear? This can't be true. She can be right. Ants in my pants? What if they bite? As soon as I got home, I ran to the bathroom to look for ants. Lewis, you've been over there in there for over an hour. Is everything okay? Mom, I've looked and looked all over the place. I don't see any ants anywhere. Lewis, what are you talking about? Everyone says that they think there's ants. Everyone says there's ants in my pants, but I've checked and I can't see any. Oh no, Lewis, the ants in your pants aren't real. People just say that when you need to sit really still. But Lewis, remember, you are a verb, and verbs need to move around. I can help you train those imaginary ants, the ones that cannot be found. You can. How? Well, first of all, when you know you're going to have to sit still for a while, practice doing the wiggle dance. Wiggle and jiggle and jump up and down. Shake your hands and turn around. Take a deep breath and scrunch up your nose. Wobble your knees and wiggle your toes. Then, when you go to sit down, make sure that you have room around you so you can move a little bit. Whenever you're part of a big group of people, you need a personal space bubble. Then if you wiggle and jiggle so much, it won't get you into trouble. Oh, don't forget your focus squishy. If you keep your fingers busy, you'll be able to pay attention. Remember, it's a tool, it's not a toy, and it'll really help you listen. Oh, and finally, there's one more thing that I have to tell you. Try hard not to speak while others are speaking. If you do, you won't hear what they say. Words cannot go in when others come out because your brain won't work that way. If you do all these things, Lewis, you can be the boss of your ants. You'll be the verb with self-control and those ants won't stand a chance. I thought about everything my mom told me and I practiced doing the wiggle dance all weekend long. Then on Monday, just before we had to sit in the reading rug, I did the wiggle dance. I wiggled and jiggled and jumped up and down. I shook my hands. I turned around. I took a deep breath. I scrunched up my nose. I wobbled my knees and I wiggled my toes. Then I pulled my focus squishy out of my pocket and went and sat by the wall so I'd have a, just a little bit of extra space in case I needed it. I ended up doing pretty well, but then halfway through the story, Richard's toes started to wiggle and his knees did the twitch. He slid down on the rug because his feet just had to kick. Oops. Richard accidentally kicked me in the back, but I didn't do it on purpose. Richard, my teacher said, I think there must be ants in your pants. Please control your wiggles. Richard looked down at his pants. He couldn't see any ants. I knew what he was thinking. 
He wondered how they got in there. What if they're in my underwear? This can't be true. She can't be right. Ants in my pants, what if they bite? Don't worry, I said to Richard. Those ants aren't real. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I love that it, it, that book ends with him helping his friend. Well, if a kid knows something, they really know it if they can show somebody else. Yes, that's great. And that's us too. I mean, we really know a skill if we can teach it to other people. That's so true. Um, Julia, thank you so much for your time today. I know we went a little bit over. Thank I you. Really, oh, I no really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks a lot. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Julia, for coming on the show. You all can learn more about Julia when you go to Julia Cook Online on Instagram. And juliacookonline.com is also her website. That's where you can find her books as well. And if you order her books directly from her website, she'll even autograph, sign them for you um, rather than getting them on Amazon. Thanks so much for being here today. If this episode was helpful, please share it with a friend or family member or neighbor who might be interested in these types of conversations. And don't forget to leave us a quick rating and review and get entered to win that pair of Gooder sunglasses. All right, friends, this podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. Check out our website, sandyboyproductions.com to learn more. You can find this podcast on Instagram. Why is everyone yelling? You can find me personally, lindsayhines626. And we are just so grateful you're here. We will see you next week on Why is Everyone Yelling?